0: welcome to me time the podcast for women in midlife who've been taking care of everyone else and now say it's my turn to take care of me i'm kim aceto health and self-care coach for women in midlife and your host thank you for spending your precious me time with me right now enjoy the show Okay, so day, today I'm here with Beverly Willett. Let me tell you about Beverly. Beverly Willett is the author of Disassembly Required, a memoir of Mid- midlife resurrection, a June 2022 pick by the world's largest book club and nominated for Georgia Author of the Year. From rural schoolgirl to big city entertainment lawyer to stay at home mom, securely ensconced in a fashionable part of Brooklyn, Beverly Willett achieved the American dream. And then it came crashing down. But as she reluctantly put her dream house for sale, surrendering her hopes for a life that hadn't turned out the way she imagined, the world opened back up. And Willett leapt forward, actually toward it, embracing uncertainty. Kirkus Reviews called her memoir, a triumphant journey to new beginnings. Willett has also written, for the nation's top publications, including the New York Times, USA Today, The Washington Post, AARP Magazine, The Guardian, and more. In 2016, she gave a popular TEDx talk entitled How to Begin Again, and at work on her first novel, Will It Now, makes her home in Savannah, Georgia. Beverly, welcome to the MeTime Midlife podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Kim. I'm glad to be here. Great. Glad to have you. A little
0: rocky uh, for me to get things going, but I think I had everything. Lots lots of accomplishments here and um, really looking forward to talking with you today. So as a first time guest, I'm going to ask you this question. What do you enjoy doing during your me time?
1: Well, um, you know, now at midlife, I I have a lot of me time, meaning a lot of time that I get to choose how I want to spend it. Mm -hmm. Some of it's social. Uh, I find that I'm a very social person. So I like hanging out with friends and going to artistic things in uh, my new city. I do a lot of volunteer work. I like to travel. But I guess most of my me time, um, especially the stuff I guard and love the most is just literally me time, (laughs) meaning alone time, just with myself. Um, And, uh, you know, when years and years ago I I started um, a meditation practice just to sort of, um, you know, get some time to myself and, and really sort of reflect on, you know, not being pulled in all these different directions without really knowing even what I was doing and what I wanted in life. So um, that has, has continued and I do try and go on a silent retreat every year uh, if I can. So that's, that's, that's one thing that, that um, I really cherish in my life now. Um, yeah. And aside from that, I have a new porch and I love sitting on my porch and I love listening to the birds sing in the morning. Um, I love taking a book out there. Um, I'm even starting to write a little bit out there. Um, and I guess one other thing is, you know, I live in Savannah, Georgia now. I don't live on the beach, but the beach is only 20 minutes away. And when I thought about where to begin a new life and, and, and where to settle down again, um, I knew it had to be near a beach. So just taking a walk in the sand, um, is, is the thing that relaxes me the most. And, um, you know, allows all kinds of thoughts to, to bubble up. So me time, um, occasionally taking a ride out to the beach.
0: Oh, I love it. I'm, I'm envisioning everything. Am, and I'm, I'm also envisioning a, and tell me if I'm wrong, but a, uh, a Savannah, Georgia style patio, that a porch that you sit on reading your book is it yeah
1: yeah no no I and I and I designed it myself and uh, <laughs> I think I might take up bird watching at some point
0: uh-huh well that sounds great I can imagine how nice that'd be to sit out there and listen to the birds read your book I love it uh one more question so about the uh silent retreat uh, how many days is that silent retreat I'm curious
1: well, um, you know, I've gone on everything from three days to two weeks. I actually wow. had an opportunity to go away for a month. Um, and I uh, had some, uh, an emergency that brought me back after two weeks. So I've gone up to two weeks. Mm-hmm.
0: Right, and, and not to take us off track because I do want to get to your book and, sure. and all the things you have to share, but really quickly, um, what would you say uh, is the benefit of a silent retreat for you, I guess. What do you well, get out you know, of that time? I guess
1: for me is I I go away so that I can sort of get away from it all. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, sometimes it's because I'm I'm struggling with something and I really I, I really want to hear myself think. Um, I really wanna take everything that I can uh, out of the mix. I wanna take the social, I know I could do that at home, but it's so easy to, you know, go out with a friend or whatever. And when I go away, I mean, I don't have social media. I'm usually in a place where I'm in the country, you know, so that I can, I can be with nature and those, and those birds. So it really is a time for me to really go inward with maybe things I'm struggling with, um, and things I just want to have time to parse out.
0: Right, yeah, I can imagine that. That's a really uh, wonderful experience, but uh, maybe to some listening, it can also sound like a scary experience, but something that might be interesting for folks uh, to well, think I will, about. I, so. I don't
1: want to get us off track, but I will just say the first time I went was really scary because not yeah. talking and being silent was like, <laughs> right? you do hear yourself think, and that can be scary too.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. My point. Exactly. Right. Well, thanks for sharing about that. Um, Okay. So let's talk about, so I I kind of read in your bio uh, just briefly, some of the big changes that happened in your life, your world was turned upside down. Um, So can you just go into a little more detail about, you know, about those big changes and, um, and how that prompted you to write this book, which I want to, I think I shared, Disassembly Required a Memoir of Midlife Resurrection. I love that title. Tell us a little bit more.
1: Sure. So I guess the, the the sort of like the crucial moment, sort of like the big bang moment maybe, (laughs) um, occurred near the end of 2002, which I just realized was 20 years ago, which it's kind of like, wow, that's, that's a long time. Um, and, and what prompted it is that a few months before then, um, my ex-husband and I had celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary. Um, we had two kids um, and um, I, in a, in a really sort of horrific moment, because I just sort of, sort of sensed something was wrong, I found love messages on his cell phone from a lover I didn't know he had um and I just absolutely was destroyed and devastated I just I don't even know how to that that moment I I described that moment in my book um a few weeks later he was gone and he never came back um you know just a, a one or so uh minutes just on the background leading up to that you know we didn't have a perfect marriage um, but we had gotten through a lot of hard stuff in our marriage. And I really thought that our life and everything was on the upswing and that things were were great. You know, I had achieved that American dream that I'd been brought up um, being told about. You know, I, I started out, I grew up in a very small rural town. I was first to go to college, went to law school. Then I came to New York City. I was a lawyer. Um, I met, I thought the man of my dreams, um, we got married, um, after working, um, and, um, buying our dream house in Brooklyn. Um, I, I decided to stay home with the kids, um, for a while as a, as a stay-at-home mom and, um, anybody looking in would have said these two have a perfect life, you know, um, and then it literally came crumbling down in that, in that moment of betrayal,
0: Wow. um did you confront yeah. him because uh, you said then he left a week and a half later or something like that did you confront him or was it just kind of I don't know I guess I'm wondering about that
1: oh yeah there was a there were some very <laughs> very difficult moments of mm. confrontation and I and I really thought you know I wanted to save my marriage I mean I, I loved right. him still um I had put all my energies my whole life into in this this family Mm-hmm. Um, and so he sued me for divorce. Um, at the time, New York didn't have no-fault divorce. It was the only state that did not, um, and, and now it does. But basically, what that meant is that in order to get a divorce, he had to he had to show that I that I'd done something wrong um, in terms of you know breaking the marriage bond or contract. Well, he was the one having the affair. <laughs> And so I really wanted to save my marriage, but also at some point I realized that I needed to stand up for myself. I needed to stand up for, for what was being done to me. And so I was, I was in divorce court almost uh, seven years. Um, I was shamed for becoming a stay at home mom. Um, I lost about 40 pounds. I contemplated suicide. It was, it was really, really horrific. And wow. the year before the um, divorce became final, the market crashed. So you know, our retirement accounts were <laughs> had had sort of dwindled. Um, and then the divorce became final. Um, he remarried. Um, at that point, I hadn't worked as a lawyer in a long time. The legal market had crashed, so there were no good jobs. My alimony was limited, and I became a landlord. Uh, running out part of my house, I was temping, and I was a single mom with teenagers going through menopause. So that was quite a <laughs> cocktail, right? Living in one of the most expensive cities imaginable. And um, so that's 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 um, sort of the background. And then what happened is, is that I could no longer afford the mortgage. One of my daughters had gone to college and had come out of college, the second was on her way. And I had no choice to put my dream house up for sale. I and I really thought that was going to be my undoing, you know. That was going to be the final thing that was taken away from me. And here I was, no longer young. Um, and you know, it it wound up that by by losing sort of the last thing that I'd been holding on to, it became the way that I healed and recovered and 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 you know, by decluttering. Sort of working my way back to myself, and hmm. um, creating a new life for myself, which totally—I was blown away because it was totally unexpected. I was just doom and gloom. This is just going to be awful.
0: <laughs> right. So, like, how long did it take for you to sell the house, and then for you to? Re- I mean, I'm sure you were devastated when you sold the house, but then, um, how long, I guess, did it take for you to realize that this was? like a really great thing for you to start over.
1: I, you know, it really, it was, it was, it was during the process of actually selling the house and decluttering it that I Mm -hmm. came to these, these realizations, um, these, these big realizations. I would say it was about a year from the time I sort of knew that I had to put the market, put the house on the market and get it ready. That I was um, spending time going through things, decluttering. Sort of, in a way. I mean, I had had a four-story house. One of the one of the um, floors was rented out, um, and then I had a backyard and a cellar. So you know, my ex had left stuff. Both kids had all their stuff, and um, I had stuff that you know that we had. Brought from a co-op we'd been in um, many years before, and everything I'd had from my childhood. So this was this was a ton of stuff to go through um, in about a year. I went through it and also was successful in in selling the house. Um, and you know during this during this process, I hadn't realized you know I'd been I'd been a mother. I'd been working. I you know I know I certainly cried it out a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the time, Mm -hmm. but I hadn't realized how much pain I'd been holding on to until Mm -hmm. I started looking at everything and sort of contemplating what it all meant and what it all stood for. Mm -hmm. Um, and that blew my mind. I was like, Whoa, I thought I was, I was, I had healed more than I had. Um, and I hadn't, and I really had not taken the time or really had the time to grieve. Is it because yeah. you
0: still you held on to the house for as long as you could, but actually going through and decluttering, and I mean, your house was where you built your life with your husband and your children, and your you know that was where you built your career as well. And uh, so, was it was the house really the thing? I guess
1: the house was really the thing. The house and everything in it, and everything that it stood for. And, you know, it, the children were small when we had moved into it. My youngest was only two. So it, it was really where our family, um, you know, nested. It was where my children grew up. And, you know, the house was situated in the neighborhood that I loved and our school and our church and our neighbors, um, you know, all of Brooklyn. I mean, so, so this was, and it was really sort of, you know this, this, this crowning achievement financially and everything else. You know, it was a home. It wasn't just this in good investment that we had made. It was right. our home and everything centered around it. So I really think that, that it really was the house um, and then the process of, of of getting rid of things and sort of looking at things. And as I looked at things, it was, a, it was a very strange thing that happened because it was like weird. At first, I thought, well, this is kind of weird. I'd be holding things and I'd be like, why does it feel bad to give that away or to think that I'm going to give that away? I hadn't realized how attached I was to keeping it all and keeping things you know, in a state of, you know, as close to to possible as the way they were. Obviously, they couldn't have been the way they were, but whatever I could do to keep things the way they were, that's what I tried to do.
0: Right, right. And then, not in your control, your world got turned upside down. Yes. So, what what are some things that you learned through this big process of change. I mean, what did you learn about yourself, I guess? I'm curious.
1: You know, I um I I learned that I was by by looking at, at, at things my past and the things that I'd accomplished. You know, it was, it was funny, I remember there were a couple of moments when my younger daughter was downstairs and I called her up and I said, I want to show you this, I want to show you this, because I had gotten excited about it, and she'd say, Mom, I never knew you did that, I never mm-hmm. knew you accomplished that, and it made me start to realize, wow, I have this, this, this past, these accomplishments that I'd sort of forgotten about myself. I also found in in things that I went through that I had always wanted to be a writer. So it was kind of a validation of of my new career and, and what I wanted to do with my life. That was exciting. And I also discovered that, you know, even though life had gotten really, really heavy and I felt like life was so heavy most of the time that I was a joyful person. I was in my heart an optimistic, positive person. I wasn't negative. And I had gotten into this head where I thought that I, that I was, and I realized, no, that is not who I was. And once I started giving things away uh, and getting rid of them, I started becoming happier. And I thought, well, that's, that's, that's counterintuitive. You would think that by losing even more and getting rid of even more that I should be even sadder and more negative. And that's really not the way it worked. It happened mm. the exact opposite way, mm. and by by that happening, I also discovered that this person who had been afraid, who had been holding on to things and and wanted to keep things the way they were, um, that I that had sort of become sort of a fearful person, and I found in the process that I wasn't afraid anymore. <laughs> in fact, you know, I, you know, my friends were like, "Well, what are you going to do now? Where are you going to go?" And I was like. I don't know. Because I felt like the world has opened back up. I've got all these possibilities. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not like this sad midlife woman who's lost everything. Um, I mean, I will say that selling the house gave me the financial means to start over, although I couldn't go buy another house in New York because it was too expensive. Um, but I wasn't afraid anymore. I felt really, uh, I felt that there were possibilities that I needed to think about. The world just really opened back up. So that was, I think the main thing um, that I discovered about myself.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm getting this visual. I don't know. I'm having these visuals when I'm talking to you, (laughs) Um, but I I have this like, and I have never done this, so I don't know, but I can imagine uh, maybe like bungee jumping or um, skydiving where, you know, it's, you're so afraid to let go. But then once you let go, yes, it's scary, but it's also thrilling. It's exciting. And you have to just let go. I mean, you've already let go physically, but I mean, you just have to embrace it. You, you just have to let it happen. Right. I mean, there's, there's nothing you can do about it anymore. So you might as well enjoy it, I guess. Right. I mean, and I, I mean, feel, that's, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that. Uh, so it sounds like, you know, selling the house, like going through the whole process of decluttering and looking back at things and looking inward as well, uh, made space for you to, you know, let, let go. And then, and then you can actually, once you let go, then you can actually see what the possibilities are and, and, and be excited about what could come.
1: No, that is exactly right. I mean, literally there was, there was you know, physical, having physical space actually gave me headspace and emotional space mm-hmm. and, and a clearing really to start seeing things and seeing possibilities. Um, you know, you mentioned, um, you said something like, well, there's nothing we can do, so we might as well. And I think, you know, I think that we sometimes think that that, that that is a negative, you yeah. know, um, mm-hmm. and well, there's nothing else that we can do, and yet, we don't realize that, um, I don't think we're we're taught, we're not taught uh, what I believe is one of the fundamental rules of the universe. And that is that change is gonna happen and mm-hmm. that there's always gonna be change and that absolutely everything is uncertain. I mean, we cannot make our lives certain in any way, really. We can't do it. And moment by moment, there's change and so, I think we tend in our society and we're not told that this is, this is a law of the universe. So why aren't we accepting it and seeing, I think especially thinking about you know, future with, with, at midlife, that we don't have to waste time being stuck in old patterns of thought and resisting things that we can't change when they come about. We can put our time and our effort into addressing them. Um, we, it doesn't have to drag us down emotionally into that that pit. I have had I have had several really really difficult things happen to me, like in the last three or four years, um, with with myself physically, with losing people, with other kinds of financial losses. And I really think if I hadn't found and understood these basic truths about life, that I would not have been prepared to confront the things that have happened since. And while, yes, while I had some period of, of difficulties, and you know, I didn't, wasn't celebrating not being healthy, um, I had the flexibility to know I had the courage to get through it, to know I had the strength to get through it and not to just get bogged down in, in negativity. And I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that selling the house and, and moving and starting a new life and just being open to possibilities exactly prepared me for all of that. Absolutely. Uh, a couple things. I think uh, the, the phrase that comes to
0: mind is we have to expect the unexpected. <laughs> because I'm a planner too. I, I love structure. I love planning. I love things to go the way I hope they're going to go, right? And I, I want to assume that I have put enough planning and enough thought and preparation into place that things are going to go the way I want them to go. But that is not the case. Just like you said, that does not happen. Um, so something I like to think of is, you know, expect the unexpected, right? And, um, and we have to be able to kind of roll with the punches, um, another thing I wanted to share is that, yeah, I think that we as girls were brought up, I mean, many of us, not all of us, but many of us um, are brought up with the idea that our, you know, we're supposed to be satisfied and we're supposed to um, be happy and the goal is to get married, have children, have a house, um, you know, maybe have a career uh, and, and so you achieved all these things and, and it's kind of false to think that, okay, well, now you you have it all, right? And I think not, not you know, this is, this is what maybe you believe. This is what uh, I grew up believing as well. And I think a lot of women um, believe and um, it's just, you know, it doesn't always turn out that way. And that's not always who you are or what's meant for you. But I think that's often what's what's told and what's implied as little girls. Um, So there was a third thing, but I'm not—I don't remember it. Uh, But you know, we just have a few minutes left, Beverly. So um, I want to ask you a little bit more about you know embracing change and uncertainty. Whether somebody is going through a big change right now, is facing uncertainty. I mean, all of us. The entire world was facing uncertainty uh, the last couple of years, right? Two and a half years or so with uh, with COVID, right? There was a lot of uncertainty. We've all right. um, we've all encountered that. Um, but one thing also about you know being in midlife is that um, in that time of your life or stage of your life, what's so wonderful about it and what I love. one of the reasons I love working with my clients in midlife is because, you know, you have all these past accomplishments and and things you've overcome. And I think you can bring that, bring those experiences and those accomplishments, those celebrations, those victories into our midlife years and help us overcome and get through um, the things to come. Uh, What are your thoughts about, you know, embracing change and uncertainty um, in midlife? How can that be something that we, you know that we can see as a positive thing, as opposed to a negative thing.
1: Um, you know, I think it. I think that once you do, I think you you create this this foundation of of inside you that, as I mentioned before, is able to be flexible. You know, in my book, I have this. I have this chapter. <laughs> Called aging, sickness, and death.
0: (laughs) Oh, sounds great. Whoa, that's
1: heavy. Okay, but here I am. Here I am laughing about it. Right. So, um, you know, I so I I do think that there are all of these these stages um, that we go through that we don't have to attach negativity. Um, to it and and it can provide the courage for the next thing that we have to face you know you just you you said one thing about you know expect the the unexpected is going to happen and whatever but you know the unexpected um and those things are expected you know aging sickness and death we we (laughs) can expect those things but you know the unexpected sometimes we think about the unexpected in it like in a negative way well there can be the unexpected is amazing for producing pleasant things too. I mean, you know, I I've had some hardships the last few years, but I've had some unexpected joy in my life. You know, amazing stuff happens. So, I think that that we need to we need to think about that as well that when we when we embrace change and uncertainty, lots of great things can come into our into our life as well that we're not prepared for that that are that are pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I, my friends used to say to me when, when I was, when I was selling my house, you know, you'll have the opportunity to reclaim your life. And I was like, what, what are they talking about? What life are they talking about? Um, and I finally understood when it was all over, I'm not sure that they really were just maybe just giving me a pep talk. Um, but you know, I had, I had put a lot of things on hold and I couldn't really put all the energy that I wanted into building my writing career. Uh, because I was doing other things, you know, so I still found that I had all these, these dreams um, that I, that I put on hold. And now I had this opening up of, of, of time and space and the energy that I had been putting in other things before. Now I could, I could re-harness that energy and put it into what I'm doing now. So that was, that was really surprising. Um, I think it, I think it's also really fertile time for not only for your, your career growth, but it's just personal growth. I really found that, you know, in, in, in my spiritual life, I've done what I believe is more, you know, I've, I've I've learned more and grown more during this period of my life than at any time before I entered this phase of my life. And that's been really exciting for me because I've also been able to sit down and, and really think about, well, who am I and what do I believe? I mean, that's kind of a luxury, you know? I mean, I feel that's kind of a luxury, but it's just really cool.
0: Right, and
1: I, yeah. I, I love that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I almost interrupted you because I, that, that just gets me really excited because, um, you know, like, again, you know, in the first half of our lives, we, I think... Um, you know, we might have these beliefs that drive our actions and behaviors and um, and they might be beliefs that we grew up with, but maybe they're not our beliefs anymore. Right. When we when we hit that um, midlife stage um, and, you know, you, you, this brings this full circle back to what I asked you in the beginning, which was what do you enjoy doing during your me time? And you shared all these wonderful things that uh, now you have the time and energy and space to explore and um, I think that you have really shared today, and just just the energy that you have, I, I can tell, and I think listeners can too, that you you do have this positive energy. Um, you don't just have a positive energy but it sounds like you have a lot of energy and, um, and a lot of happiness and joy. Um, so I think even just that just hearing your tone and um, hearing about how wonderful your life is now and how you embrace uncertainty and change because it has allowed you to grow and learn and become a, a better person right the person that you are proud of being. Um, so I, I love all of it and, um, and and how you embrace that. And so it's very inspiring, Beverly. Um, not that I want to be going through a big change right now necessarily, but, um, <laughs> you know, I think that you've really inspired me and, and hopefully others um, listening and also through your book, uh, Disassembly Required, A Memoir of Midlife Resurrection. So Beverly, it was so wonderful having you on the podcast today. Oh. I'm, Yeah. Thank you so I love much.
1: being here and I just want to two seconds I just want sure. to say one more thing please to it's something I signed in some of my books I'll be real quick and I will just say to everyone out there you are braver and stronger than you know
0: <laughs> I love that and imagine if we stood in front of a mirror every morning and we said that I am braver and stronger than I know Wouldn't that be a great thing if we looked, if we looked into our eyes in the mirror and, you know, did one of those things, um, imagine how that could shape our day and um, how we can maybe look at our day a little differently. Um, so I love that. I love that. Um, so Beverly, I'm going to put your website, which is beverlywillett.com in the show notes. You, people can get more information about you, including your book. Um, you're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm going to put those links as well so people can connect with you. And once again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed oh, having you.
1: Thank you so much, Kim. I really enjoyed it.
0: Thanks for listening. If you find the Me Time Midlife podcast valuable, please tell your friends about it. And if you haven't yet, you can also subscribe to the podcast or leave a positive rating or review, which is always greatly appreciated. If you're on Facebook, you can stay up to date with the latest episodes by following my coaching page, Transformation Wellness for Women. And finally, if you've been taking care of everyone else and now say, it's my turn to take care of me. I invite you to join our Me Time Midlife community on Facebook, where we continue the conversations we have here on the podcast. Simply go to MeTimeMidlifePodcast.com and click on Me Time Midlife Community to learn more and join us today. It's an honor to produce this podcast for you. So thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.